Hi, this is Susie Quattro, and you are listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Morning or evening, wherever you are, welcome back once again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcasts. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this fast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network of music, wise music swamis. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Megaphone, and over 40 other podcast uh, locations. Just Google, you'll find me. So this is episode 197. Uh, I'm calling this Why Go Solo? Question mark. Um, yeah, so this is an interesting one where I thought of the different reasons bands uh, or, or members of bands would go solo and started breaking it up into our usual categories like we do here. Um, you know, and I just remember going back uh, through all the interviews and stuff. I remember once, uh, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Ben Shepard from Soundgarden um, kind of opening up about... Uh, you know, the fears and the extra work and the things he didn't know uh, were involved with uh, with being a solo artist. And I'm pretty sure Ronnie uh, Ronnie James Dio talked about that uh, a fair bit as well. Um, you know, in, in speaking with Ronnie and speaking with Wendy, you 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 quickly learn that that uh, that you're blamed for everything and the accolades all come to you. And, and you actually get to, to decide how much money, accolades, credit uh, that you dole out to everybody. We know all the uh, you know, all the drama in the uh, the Ozzy Osbourne camp be, because of all this as well. So, yeah, being a solo artist, pretty interesting, um, basically. I think these guys uh, essentially find out that it's uh, that it's way more work, um, but again, um, you know, you get all the glory, you get all the blame, um, and there's and there's usually going to be disputes uh, in this thing. As as personalities grow and become more important or less important, you shuffle around the pieces. That's the other thing, of course, about most solo careers is that there usually are a lot of pieces be besides the um, the solo guys. So. So yeah, so um, yeah, let's get into this. Let's play the first one, and then we'll uh, and then we'll talk about the different reasons I think this happens, and and the ways and the and the dynamics with these solo artists. So uh, take a listen to this first selection. This is David Lee Roth with Big Trouble. All right, eat them and smile, 1986. So our category here is big egos, big personalities. Um, and I don't have a lot of examples of this. I'm wondering, let me ask you guys first of all, and you can let me know on the Facebook page, but do you think Rod Stewart's an example of this? Uh, you know, leaving the faces, you know, he's he had a long career, got together with Jeff Beck, of course. Um, but, uh, but essentially... Um, is Rod Stewart going solo one of these kinds of things? Was he too big for the band behind him? I'm not particularly sure, but David Lee Roth is definitely an example of this. Um, you know, 
relations uh, got worse and worse with Van Halen. There was there was you know the discussion around Fair Warning being too much of an Eddie album, and and um, and it didn't sell very well, and Eddie got kind of uh, blamed for that. And then we get to Diver Down, and uh, and basically Dave is in in uh, cahoots or agreement with Ted Templeman and the label that like, let's get some hits here and let's even bring in some covers. And of course that's a notorious cover E album, but essentially David Lee Roth was, uh, you know, he was jealous of, of, uh, you know, um, Eddie marrying Val- uh, Valerie and Eddie getting all the accolades for his guitar situation. And, this was a guy that that was getting too big for Van Halen. He was he was really starting to uh, to grate on the guy's nerves, um, and just kind of being like an attention hog. And uh, it, this is a situation where you just look at this guy and his and his pathology, his personality, his psychopomp, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this is a guy that you figured uh, needed to uh, have his name on the marquee and uh, and run his own show. So he starts this almost like Van Halen on steroids type band. And it's interesting, guys in his band, um, we're actually going to get to one of them in a minute, but, you know, B- Billy Sheehan's an interesting example where here's a guy um, that didn't particularly, I know he's got solo albums, but he didn't particularly need to be a solo artist. He almost he almost wanted to do that thing and, and be part of bands, and he was part of some big bands. Um, Another one I think falls into this category is Ted Nugent. Now, technically, he's you know well, well I guess at one point he's leaving a band called the Amboy Dukes, but uh, but along the way he's Ted Nugent and the Amboy Dukes or whatever. But again, this feels like um, this feels like a situation where the personality of the guy needs to be boss. He wants to be boss. He's he's naturally a boss. He's an A type personality. He's running everything. You know there are drug problems in the rest of the band. Nobody has the ambition Ted has, right? So. Essentially, Ted goes solo, and it just feels like an an inevitability of a of a big ego, of a big personality, of an A type personality. So eventually, just this whole nonsense of having the Amboy Dukes tag is uh, is dropped, and he just becomes Ted Nugent, and he finally breaks after uh, let's see, what is this, seventy five? You know, probably really over over 10 years of toiling away and lots and lots of records but he finally breaks as just Ted Nugent and he stays Ted Nugent you know obviously there's a few few side things along the way we've got damn yankees and stuff but but essentially um yeah that's one of those and another one that i think truly fits this is uh textbook case Ingve Malmsteen um so here's a guy who comes from Sweden he's he's the hotshot kid he's already a veteran by the time he arrives he's in Steeler he's in Alcatraz you know he's he's the star of both of those situations uh and it's it's a little unusual to unusual to have the star being the guitarist but it just looks like here's a guy who has so much more ingve to give to the world that that you know, mere drum beats and bass players and and lyrics and vocals is holding him back, and he has to go out and be Engve J. Malmsteen, which he does, and he's a great leader of a band. He essentially, you know, becomes a solo artist and never does anything. I, that's right. He, he never does anything non-solo ever again. Uh, and a lot of moving parts and stuff, but he's calling the shots. He's writing the songs. He's writing a lot of the lyrics. He even sings. Um 
sometimes. Uh, so so it's really cool that that uh, that Engve essentially it it just feels like destiny that he's he's way too big for a band, and it, it's almost like if you think about it, the 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 real estate taken up by the by the words in a band name or whatever. Um, it's it's like it has to be shunted aside uh, because it it masks the fact that there actually is this great talent in the band and and literally that name is the name that should be on the on the front of the record because that's that's the name that's the the really remarkable thing about this band. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, obviously, lots and lots of bands have a band name and they got great you know great players super important guys in them but yeah these are ones that just feel a little bit like uh like destiny all right let's move on to our next selection take a listen to this this is steve vi with the attitude song All right. This is from Steve's very first solo album, Flexible, Flex-Able, January 1984. It's got the two, you know, uh, different indie-looking album covers. Pretty sure this was Q107 Rock Reports uh, theme music, and maybe other other theme music as well. This is a very popular Steve Vai song. I, I wanted to play it because it is from the first album. Um, so, so I, I think all of these I went for first album, didn't I? I believe so. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, so, so the idea here is that um, this is somebody with big creative ambitions. He's he wants to go solo for the right reasons. So Steve Vai just is this immense talent. Uh, he's he's in the Frank Zappa situation. This also his is his most and pretty much only you know, very Zappa-esque album. It's my favorite uh, of his because I, I like humor and music. Maybe there's another uh, maybe there's another show there that we can do. Humor, uh, humor and rock doesn't work, right? Um, essentially, though, I think this is a situation where a guy just has so much to offer. Um, it's not particularly ego-driven. It's creativity-driven. It's enthusiasm for music, enthusiasm for the guitar, enthusiasm for what can a guitarist do to make sounds, textures, riffs, solos, um, you know, play with gear. So Steve Vai obviously goes on to be an, an immense, um, an immense talent and pretty much the, the main guy who's who's operating in this genre, you know, the leader of this genre, this this guitar shred, guitar instrumental type genre. Um, yeah, it's funny, you know, this Q107 Rock Report thing, I, you know, it's something I knew and remembered for years and years and years, and it just dropped off recently. It tells you how little I listen to radio these days, but I don't know about you guys. Is it getting harder to Google stuff? Um, I, I literally couldn't find any, any reference to this, and usually that's the idea that uh, you're wrong. Um, but, um, anyways, uh, pr- pretty sure that's our, our Toronto rock station, the rock report part of, uh, you know, this was used for theme music. So a, a few other examples in this department, I would go Stephen Wilson from Porcupine Tree. I just feel like he had so much to offer that, um, maybe some of the things he wanted to do weren't going to be allowed in Porcupine Tree or the records weren't getting made fast enough uh, or he wasn't getting as much say as he wanted to in Porcupine Tree because it was a band full of talents. So here he goes off and does and has an amazing solo career. I mean, you're you're gonna find this is um, 
This is a trend in, in progressive rock a fair bit, and there's only one associated uh, episode of History in Five Songs uh, that that uh, is, like I say, associated with this episode, and it was about uh, Proggers going, I think I call it Proggers going solo. So yeah, Prog is a big part of this thing. But you know, Prog adjacent is someone like Brian Eno, so I feel like here definitely is a guy that that went off and said, I, I've got my own records to make. I've got a lot of crazy things I want to do, and it's not going to fit in something like a Roxy Music. And he, he becomes a, you know, a, a producer, a soundscaper, a, you know, a, a groundbreaking guy in the in the field of ambient music. But I love I love the vocals albums. I wish I wish he would sing more, but I I loved Another Green World and Taking Tiger Mountain and Before and After Science. Three. Th- those are those are definitely three of the greatest uh, albums I've, I've ever heard. I just I just love them. You guys should check those out. Um, Phil Anselmo's an interesting case. Um, I think I feel here again. Now, obviously, there's dissension in the ranks. There's drug problems, but also Phil is such an enthusiastic student of all forms of metal, and he wanted to get more extreme and more extreme. So he's off doing all these crazy side projects. Um, you know, usually there's a band name attached to him, but I feel, I feel that's a guy who is going solo for the love of metal. Steve Hackett, I believe I might have included him in the Proggers going solo, so we won't talk about him too much. Pete Townsend's an interesting case here. Again, um, this category, big creative ambitions, the right reasons. I feel like um, this is a case of, you know, he gets his say in the Who anyways. He he's writing everything and he's singing uh, a fair bit in the Who. But here he is singing more. It's almost like um, you know it would be it would look silly or stupid to, <laughs> to put out a Who album every six months. Um, so here he is being a solo artist as well. And I really think you know his solo career is is as cool as as the Who's career almost. I I just I just love that guy's writing and creativity to death. Phil Collins is a funny one. Now, Phil Collins, I didn't include in the Prague episode, but uh, yeah, funny situation. I don't know much about the motivations for the solo career, but obviously it's a different kind of music. It's ballads and soul and pop and stuff like that. Um, so is did he have a burning desire to do this kind of stuff? Was, uh, was some of it to do with money? Um, I'm not sure how... The right reasons part of it lines up with this, but obviously he had a burning desire to do, um, you know, to do some other music, and he had a lot of music in him, and he had this amazing solo career. Paul Weller from the Jam, I feel, fits uh, here as well. Um, this is this is almost like a case of uh, of somebody. Um, because you saw it with the last jam album, you saw you saw the the funkiness and the dub and the soul and the horns coming in. Not great recordings, not great great recordings on the drums. Um, so here's a guy who it just felt like he had so much more music in him, so many things he wanted to explore that obviously weren't fitting in the jam. There's there's the style council obviously uh, in in between there as well. That that he had to leave, you know, slightly less. Um, so so I've got a subcategory here, kind of slightly less ambitious, with tensions mixed in with the band, like leaving for a multitude of reasons. Um, but I'm putting them in a, a a kind of sub number two category here because I don't feel like they changed what they did too particularly particularly much. Um, Bruce Dickinson and Rob Halford. Um, I have a whole episode 
comparing them as doppelgangers, so I won't go into it too much. But essentially, these guys were feeling that their old bands were getting a little stale and there was tension in the bands. Um, but they were both uh, squarely students of heavy metal and they loved heavy metal, so they both went on and did some slightly more interesting heavy metal than than the bands they came from, Iron Maiden and Priest. Bruce... But the thing is, so Bruce does one album that participates a little bit in the general rock and roll hair metal realm, the Tattooed Millionaire situation. But when you get to, you know, uh, Balls to Picasso and Skunk Works, you almost feel like he's being led by um, by a little bit by the players who are in these bands. It's not that he had a burning desire to do that specific type of music. Um, you know, Roy Z had a lot to do with the direction. And then, of course, you've got Jack and Dino and the, and the idea where Skunk Works is a little more proggy grungy um and then he and then he settles into uh, essentially what is like a much better version of iron maiden people love chemical wedding a lot more than many maiden albums uh so that's all all good stuff tyranny of souls rob halford you've got you've got uh you've got fight You've got two. You've got the Halford Band. Uh, only two is a little bit of a divergence, but Fight isn't isn't a big ways off, really. I mean, people say it's a little more uh, grungy and immediate, maybe a little Pantera-esque. And Halford, Halford is like the the later Bruce Dickinson, where it's like this is my new improved version of Judas Priest, right? Um, Richie Blackmore is an interesting case in here going solo. So again, it's a little bit of he doesn't like the direction that Deep Purple is going with these two new hot shots in the band um david coverdale and glenn hughes so when he gets into rainbow more so on rising but also the first one it's like he's not really changing very much what he wanted to do in deep purple anyways long live rock and roll they're essentially a continuation of the deep purple thing so i'm not finding that this is a guy leaving deep purple for a burning desire to have this wildly creative new idea that he wants to explore it's it's more like I'm kind of half getting pushed out. I'm kind of half not happy. Kind of want to run the show, uh, but I but I like Deep Purple, right? Um, Freddie Mercury's a funny one. Um, so here's a guy who did have solo material. Uh, again, it just it just feels like he's competing with all these writers in the band. Nobody can figure out where Queen wants to go. Um, he's the guy who gets the, gets the crap for hot space being the way it is or whatever. Um, he's the Berlin clubby kind of guy, right? So he makes this more poppy, more dancey kind of solo material. Um, you know, again, you don't feel like there's a burning, burning desire to do stuff because Freddie frankly had kind of a lazy streak in him. Um, but it's interesting. He he does he does a, a solo situation that is definitely much different from from Queen. And then you know you you get to all the yes guys. I again we did the prog episode and and I really do feel this is a this is a prog situation uh, or 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 many many prog guys like pretty much everybody in prog bands went off and did solo albums. But again, um, I think it is essentially for the right reasons there might be some ego involved because when you're a prog player there's a lot of ego but they but they have more things they want to do more things they can't do within uh you know the auspices of their band uh they want to explore the instrument more so you've got chris squire you know on on fish out of water there's a lot of water there's a lot of bass you've got the steve howe albums which are very guitar centric i love that second one right the steve howe album with uh you know where it where it's showing all the different guitars he used uh, wherever uh, across these things it's really cool so and the last one i guess in this department 
I want to mention is uh, Phil Linett, um, who, again, it just feels like um, he's got some music that he wants to uh, make that doesn't fit the Thin Lizzy mold, but he doesn't have a lot, so there's all this tension between him and Snowy and and Brian. Like every he he's bringing he's he's bringing the guys in. They're recording a song. They don't know whether it's going to go on a solo album or whether it's going to go on a Thin Lizzy album. So there's some songs that definitely have that crossover feel to them, but. Why is he make, making a solo album? Who knows? Uh, Phil is kind of in a chaotic state. He's a creative guy. Um, but, you know, there, there could have been more focus there. But, yeah, so he does He does a first solo album that is uh, is sort of like uh, 35% Thin Lizzy. And then he does a second album, which is more like 15% Thin Lizzy, right? Uh, and they're both amazing. Um all right, this episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash five songs. That's better. H-E-L-P.com slash five songs. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, uh, let's move on to our third selection. Take a listen to this. This is Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros, Johnny Appleseed. Johnny Appleseed. 
right. Love that song to death and love these albums. This is from Global uh, Go-Go. I think it's 2001. Uh, The category here is not a great category, although that is a great song, and it's an amazing album, too. You should check it out. But this this is a category where there's no burning desire to go solo. There's no choice. My band is gone. I'm out of the band. I'm I'm bored. The band is broken up. I want to work. We're taking too long between albums. So it's essentially guys that um that that um that find this gap and uh and it's like, "Eh, okay, I'll try a solo thing. I I'll I'll get to put more of a personal stamp on what I'm doing." Um why did I arrive here? It's a little bit uh, because of circumstances uh, outside my control. Joe Strummer, of course, there was no more Clash and Clash itself, you know, bi- big big audio dynamite happened right after Clash. This is the Clash breaking up, but these guys have creative things they want to do. Big Audio Dynamite, you know, ironically speaking, is is, is a continuation of the um the combat rock and the and the cut the crap type of clash anyways. Um and and uh Joe Strummer and the Mescaleros you could say is also a little bit of a carry on from from the, both of those again, it's it's really weird how how you know the these the two strongest creative guys and then you've got Havana 3 AM with Paul but the, the the two creative things from these two guys uh, seem like you know rapidly evolving continuations of the clash, anyways. Uh, and Joe Strum, of course, in there you've got Earthquake Weather as well. Uh, other guys in this department, I would say, would be the likes of Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, even Ron Wood. But again, these guys are they're they're butting heads over the over the writing. You know, they they are the Rolling Stones. Um, but there is tension between them. Uh, they do have things they want to say. They, they've got big egos. They want to go out and, and, and you know, I, I would say the narrative is Mick Jagger's egos may be bigger than Keith Richards. I don't know. But, uh, you know, the idea is that uh, I, I'm, sh- I'm sure Mick wouldn't mind having his name on the tin rather than the Rolling Stones and, and see what happens and, and try to make it as a solo artist. You know, the competitive nature of Mick Jagger makes me also think he'd like to show up the Stones and actually sell better than the Stones and and kind of prove that, hey, I'm, I'm right. I'm the best writer in this band sort of thing. Um Bill Bruford is a fu- funny, famous one. It's like this guy just wants to work, right? So when when King Crimson gets busted up beyond his control, he's he's got to work. He goes off and does solo things. But you know, did he really have a burning desire to have to do that? Probably not. Adrian Blue's kind of in the same boat. Um, he he goes off and does solo things, but did he need to? Who knows, right? Uh, Zach Wild perfectly feels like this situation where. He has things he wants to say. Ozzy doesn't work often enough, um, and it's and it's time to spread his wings. So he goes off and and does uh, you know he does Pride and Glory. He does Book of Shadows, which is a Zach Wild thing. He does Black Label Society. All of the Beatles, right? The Beatles break up. Um, they're all off doing stuff. Does it feel like they had a burning desire to do that? Did they did did they feel like the Beatles had to break up because they wanted solo careers? Not particularly, I don't think. Um, and and I don't know if you would call anything that came out after the Beatles as massive, massive successes. You know, on a consistent basis, you had albums here and there, which almost almost by rote by default, you're going to have to say there are a handful of classics there. You know, all things must pass, and uh, is that what it's called? I think so. Um, Band on the Run and Venus and Mars and uh, and Imagine, Plastic Ono Band, stuff like that, right? So, 
Um, so there are there are great albums that fall out of this situation, but there are a lot of albums to pick from, right? There's a, there's a lot of duds as well. Bob Mould out of Husker Du, you know, you think of, uh, you know, again, this is a situation where um, there is some drugs. It's just a trio, but Bob Mould goes away and he essentially sounds like a Husker Du, uh, maybe a little more melodic and he, and he tries a lot of different things. He has a very prolific solo career. Iggy Pop is a funny one. You know, is he leaving the Stooges? Who knows? He's off to, to be a solo artist. That You think of the Rush guys, Geddy Lee and Alex Lifeson. You know, Neil, we famously didn't really technically get a solo album. Uh, but Geddy Lee did an actual bonafide solo album. It says Geddy Lee on the tin. Alex is, says Victor, right? But it's it's a solo album. But again, it's it's the idea that maybe, you know, for, for whatever reasons, Rush isn't working enough. Um, and, um, I, I may as well go do this, but, but there's no super crazy burning desire to do this. Right. Uh, and both of those albums, interestingly enough, just sound like uh, alternate Rush albums in a way. Billy Gibbons is an interesting one because, um, you know, I don't want to say too much about what I know about this easy top situation. And I feel it's like this with some bands, but let's just say, let's just say, he had more creativity in him that needed to get out, that it was frustrating getting out in ZZ Top. So again, not a massive burning desire, but eventually it's like, look, I, I got to work. I got things I want to do. Um, so he makes these solo albums that are good and they sound they sound kind of like ZZ Top albums of that era, of the Mescalera, Mescalero type era. Uh, Ray Davies, same kind of thing where where it's like, uh, he he had enough uh, he had enough pull in the kinks you would think to be creatively self actualized but but the famous fights with the brother and the breaking up of the kinks so he eventually becomes a solo artist as well so uh, all right let's move on to our fourth selection take a listen to this this is deal with don't talk to strangers. All right. Again, I wanted to pick something from the first one. The category here is more or less breakdown of relations. And then when you go on to something else, you don't even change very much. So so Ronnie James Dio, I mean, essentially Holy Diver and the Last in Line are continuation of Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules. Uh, but this is a situation where he's off. He, he starts a new band because, you know, things kind of break down. It's, it's not a heavy breakdown, but it's a breakdown with Sabbath and he goes off. And again, it's, it's kind of cool. I want my own name on the tin. But the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, this sounds like Rainbow and sounds like Sabbath. So he's a guy not changing much. You've got Neil Morse moving on from Spock's beard. You've got George Lynch moving on from Dawkins. You know, this breakdown in relations, not changing much. So Lynch mob is really just more Dawkins kind of thing. Um but he does he does a lot of different things. George Lynch has a very commendable, prolific career. Sebastian Bach, he's out of the band. He's got to do something. Not not very much of a great solo career uh, comes from him. But he's got he's got some great music. He just doesn't have a lot of it, right? Ace Frehley, same sort of thing. He's out, he's out of Kiss. He's got to do something. But but he essentially does kiss for the 80s you know freely's comet is just like kiss in the 80s kind of thing not a big difference henry rollins out of the rollins band you got sammy hager he's he's out of montrose he essentially has this break with ronnie he's got to do something he starts a solo career you know was it a burning desire to do that not particularly is it a huge huge difference from montrose ah, not really right um 
Same thing when he's out of Van Halen. Uh, you know, he, he continues on with a solo career, but was there a burning desire? The neat thing about Sammy, and I've, I've talked to him about this, both about Montrose and Van Halen, is he was perfectly happy all the time to be in a band. He had no problem being in a band. He used to call Van Halen the greatest band in the world. Why would I quit that band, he would say. Sting after the police, just a kind of a more corporate version of the police. Not a massive, massive difference. I suppose he tries everything. He becomes a generalist. Fish leaving Marillion, he almost is the reactionary guy who goes back to the old sound and, and pursues that while Marillion moves on and grows sort of thing. But people love the later Fish material, so do I as well. And, and you know, there is a lot of growth there as, as well as we move on, but he, he essentially starts out as the conservative guy leaving Fish. Peter Hamill, Vandergraaf, Jeff Tate's a funny one leaving leaving Queensryche. This is a guy who turns out he didn't like Queensryche in, uh, very much, right, in a way. That he goes and tries some different things, but then he comes back and gets more Queensryche. Michael Schenker out of UFO. Again, did he have a burning desire to be a solo artist? Absolutely not. This guy's not a leader. He didn't want to lead. Uh, his name is on the tin of what comes out, but he's not He's not really a leader. Um, so this is more of a situation of his, his strange you know, shyness and Germanness and other problems and the drinking and all that stuff that he's kind of forced into becoming a solo artist. He doesn't really fit the mold of a solo artist. Paul Diano, same kind of thing. He's just pushed into having to be a solo artist because of his, uh, his ouster from Maiden. David Johansson, the New York Dolls, again, becomes a solo artist. Is it very, is it particularly different from New York Dolls? Not really. Um, all right, let's move on. Ah, uh, boy, I'm, I'm sorry. This is turning out to be a really long episode. Uh, take a listen. This is our fifth selection. John Waite with Desperate Love. All right, love this album, the Ignition album. So John Waite, Babies is having problems and they dissolve. This I, I just love this album to death and this song is my favorite song on it. That's my favorite part of the song there. You know, I don't need books. That's one of those magical, um, you know, rock and roll moments, I think. Um, but this category is like business considerations, breakdown in relations as well mixed into it. Um, but this is a funny one where... It's a little mix of uh, this guy's the star of the band. Maybe the label is telling you that. Maybe your management is telling you that. Maybe your girlfriend or your wife is telling you that. You don't need those guys. They're Deadwood, right? So so you're you're the star. Just go out and be the star. You're going to be bigger than the band. The band was holding you back. The band isn't making much money. They're not selling very many records. Let's shake this thing up, right? Um, and then you've got other ones where it's like, you see, you see a pure version of that, but the band is not really particularly breaking up in all these cases I'm going to cite. But it's funny seeing a Robin Zander solo album, a Tommy Shaw solo album, Dennis DeYoung, Stevie Nicks, Steve Perry, even Roger Daltrey kind of sets the template early on. Joe Lynn Turner with Rescue You, uh, Buck Dharma with Flat Out. So you've got these situations where a lot of these albums, you've got a lot of... Uh, 
you've got a lot of um, you know outside producers, outside songwriters, outside players. There's usually like a glossy airbrush sort of corporate looking picture of the guy on the front. So sometimes in these cases, the idea is, eh, you know, the guy's in the band, the band's pretty famous, um, but things ain't going that great. Let's shake things up. Maybe there's just going to be an oddball hit here. Um, this guy's going to break out and Robin Zander's going to be three times as big as Cheap Trick ever was, right? Absolutely. I mean, look at the guy. He's the singer. He's a great looking guy. You know, we'll, we'll put him together with all this stuff. He's a songwriter, whatever. Uh, he could be a massive star. So this is the, this is the label just saying, look, we've, we've got these, we've got these, uh, you know, these in-house tools. Um, let's see what we can do with them. Uh, Lou Graham uh, being a solo artist. So the John Waite one's a little different, obviously, because he goes on to do a solo career. The John Waite one reminds me of the Billy Squire situation more than anything, where, where Billy leaves Piper and uh, Haney does become a huge star, right? Um, Alice Cooper, you know, that's kind of a, this example. He, he kind of subtly goes off and bees a, you know, he's a solo guy, but he's not making music particularly different than the Alice Cooper group. Even Debbie Harry tried a solo album. It's like, eh, let's try a solo. Let's let's put Debbie Harry on on the front cover instead of Blondie, and and let's see what happens, right? Um, so and another perfect example of this, like the Robin Zander or the or the Tommy Shaw What If situation, Fee Waybill from the Tubes. I keep forgetting that album exists. Like that that first V Waybill album is just basically like a Tubes album. Um, but again, it almost feels like the label saying, Tubes ain't happening, man. Let's uh, let's try Fee Waybill and see if that works. Um, okay, uh, last thing, honorable mention category. Um... Okay, let's let's do this. So so these are these are uh, some of my favorite guys who never made a solo album. James Hetfield, Bono from U2, um, Edge I don't think ever did. Kirk Hammett, well he's got the EP. Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick never made one. Uh, Angus Young, Brian Johnson, uh, you know Malcolm Young, Dave Murray from Iron Maiden, Pete Agnew from Nazareth. Uh, no no one in Slayer. Axl Rose never made a solo album. So that's, it's kind of interesting. So, you know, but I to do this episode, I went through and I get, almost everybody makes a solo album at some point. But it's it's kind of cool that there are some um, like that. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this one up. Man, every episode seems to be getting longer and longer. Uh, if you like this show and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi. Uh, rhymes with no fee.com, uh, Kofi.com slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint. This week, I would like to thank Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, David Fisher, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, and Steve Polari. I know that's a very short list, um, but have no fear. I know I know that's not a lot of Kofi people, but uh, the fact of the matter is... Um, the numbers are going up. The numbers are in in terms of listeners are going up uh, or or steady. Well, they they've always been steady, but they seem to be going up a fair bit. You know, it, it might be a little bit. I'm, I might be promoting a little more. We'll see why that's happening. But it is doing rather well. But yeah, I know that's a, that's not a long Ko-Fi list. But uh, all right, and uh, MartinPopoff.com. Uh, for all your book needs, the uh, the ACDC is the current one, of course. Uh, MartinPopoff.ca. If you want to see these pictures I've been drawing, I'm going to start getting into more art. Uh, again, I really want to do that. Um, but yeah, that's there, and I've got eight and a half by eleven prints of a lot of these, and I'm signing them and numbering them and sending them out and stuff. And you can go to ArtPal. Uh, dot com and look at my gallery there as well um but uh yeah there you go and yeah of course uh every every book that i have that is in print sign them ship them out uh martinpopoff.com wow i don't know if this is the longest episode but it was pretty long uh talk to you again next time 
Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.